Hebrews chapter number four and verse number one. It says, let us therefore fear, least a promise being left us of entering into his rest. Any of you should seem to come short of it. For unto us was the gospel preached as well as unto them, but the word preached did not profit them, not being mixed with faith in them that heard it. For we which have believed do enter into rest, as he said, as I have sworn in my wrath that they shall enter into my rest, although the works were finished from the foundation of the world. Skip down to me uh, with me to verse number 9. There remaineth therefore a rest to the people of God, for he that entereth into his rest, he also hath ceased from his own works as God did from his. Let us labor therefore to enter into that rest, lest any man fall after the same example of unbelief. And so how many know that we need the Lord's rest in our life? And we're living in this world and this world is uh, getting crazier and crazier every day. And the stress and the stresses of life seem to come down harder and harder uh, as far as the world's concerned. But we have this rest in God that we can escape to, hallelujah, to come boldly into his presence. When we think of rest, it's defined as to settle down. It's to colonize. It's to set up camp. And it means to cease. And just like in verse 10, it says, he also has ceased from his own works. And that's what God's trying to do for us and to us is to get us to cease from doing it our own self. Cease from trying to handle all the situations, all the, the stress on our own selves and to just trust in him and to rest in him. Amen. We need to be able to just relinquish our life in his, and that's not easily done. But how many know that God's way is the best way? We all know that, right? But yet we fight against it, don't we? We fight against God's way. I was going through something and just a few days ago, and I was praying and I was worrying about it, and and I was just praying with all my heart and uh, saying, God, you got to help me in this situation. It could be really bad if it doesn't turn out right. And I said, oh, I know your, your will's the best will, you know, but I, I was worried that he wasn't going to answer the right way. But it was like God spoke to me and just said, you know, even if I don't answer in the way that you think it's going to be answered, it's still going to work out for the best for you. All things work together for the good of them that love the Lord. Do you believe that? All things work together for the good to them that love the Lord. But we have to settle down into this. We have to set up camp, if you will, in the presence of Almighty God. This is what Jesus cried out to the people in Matthew chapter 11 and verse 28. He said, come unto me, all ye that labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Amen. He wants us to come. He wants us to bring that. He says, take my yoke upon you. And learn of me, for I am meek and lowly in heart, and you shall find rest 
unto your souls. And that's what it is. It's rest, that inner rest, that inner peace that's in our souls. While the world can be in turmoil, the church can have perfect peace. Amen? When we stay in him, when we keep our eyes on him, amen, we can have that rest, that peace that passes all understanding. And he gives us this word picture of yoke. And you think of two oxen, perhaps, that are working in a yoke that binds them together there as they do their work. He says, I want you to take my yoke upon you. Cease from your own labor. Cease from your own trying and working and trying to work it all out. Take my yoke upon you. He says, my yoke is easy. My burden, it's light. Amen. Even though we don't understand it, his ways are always the best way. In First Peter chapter 5, he says, casting all of your care upon him. Casting all of your care upon. I know these are familiar scriptures, but we don't do that. I have people come up to me a lot of times and say, pray for me. I'm depressed and I'm oppressed. And those are normal things that we can go through. But we have to learn to cast it all upon the Lord. Amen. God doesn't want us to be depressed. God doesn't want us to be oppressed. Hallelujah. We can put it into his hands and he can take care of all the situations for us because he cares for us. Amen. Look at your neighbor and tell him that God loves you. Amen. God cares for you. Sometimes in the midst of the storm, in the midst of the trial and the situation, we can think that God's forgot all about us, right? We can think that he doesn't really understand. He doesn't really have know where I'm at. He's lost my zip code, but he knows everything about us. He knows right where we're at. He knows every situation that you are in. And we know through the word of God that the Holy Ghost is that rest. It's Christ in us. Amen. Isaiah prophesied it in Isaiah chapter 28 and verse 11. He said, for with stammering lips and another tongue will he speak to this people to whom he said, this is the rest wherein the weary are caused. Uh, this is the rest wherein ye may cause the weary to rest. And this is the refreshing, yet they would not. So we know that the Sabbath day was created in the Old Testament for a rest time. They were supposed to rest from their labors. And the Holy Spirit is symbolic of that Sabbath that we don't have to uh, have a certain day of rest, but now we have the Holy Spirit which is our rest, that we cease from our labors of just trying to do it all of ourselves. Doesn't mean you don't work anymore. You still got to go to work. But we can cease from all the turmoil and the stress and the mental. How many know it's all up here, right up here, folks? This is where the battle is. It's right up here in our minds. And Christ just wants us to know that he wants us to cast everything upon him, to rest in him and to trust in him. He said... This is the rest wherein you may cause the weary to rest. Amen. And that Holy Spirit represents that Sabbath. So it's not just a day, but every day, Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday. Every day we have a rest in Christ when we come into his presence. Amen. That's why you need the baptism of the Holy Ghost. Amen. First, or Colossians chapter 1, verse 27, 
It said, to whom God would make known what is the riches of his glory of this mystery among the Gentiles, which is Christ in you, the hope of glory. Sometimes I think we forget we have Christ in us. We have Almighty God living within us. Amen. He can do all things. Amen. He's able to do all things. All power in heaven and earth belong to his name. Greater is he that is in you than he that is in the world. Amen. We have this Christ in us. He's made his abode. Amen. He's made his tabernacle within us. First Corinthians chapter four, verse 16, it says, for which cause we faint not, but though our outward man perish, yet the inward man is renewed day by day. We know that while we're in this world, we're going to have tribulations. We know there's going to be troubles. There's going to be trials. And as we get older, you know, this body begins to deteriorate. You begin to feel the aches and the pains as you get older. It's going to pass away. The, old, the outward man is going to perish. But that inward man, we need to renew that inward man, that Christ within us, that Holy Spirit within us. We need to stir up that gift that's within us on a daily basis and to renew that within you, renewed day by day. For our light affliction is for but a moment. It worketh for us a far more exceeding and eternal weight of glory. While we look not at the things which are seen, but at the things which are not seen. For the things which are seen are temporal, but the things which are not seen are eternal. We've got to be able to get our eyes off of this world. Amen. This world is passing away. And it's not very hard for us to understand. I think today it seems like it should be so easy for us to be believers. Amen. Because of all the things that are happening, just like the word of God said, the world's getting worse and worse. Amen. You'd think this church house would be full every time the doors are open, but it's not that way. People working it out on their own selves. But for the church, he wants us to understand that we need to renew that inward man on a daily basis. We need to enter into his rest. We need to let him take care of the situations. We need to allow him to be king and the throne of our of our heart. Amen. Our light afflictions, it says, when we think about it and you may be going through something that's pretty severe for you in your life, you may think, well, it doesn't seem very light. But on an earthly basis, these are just light afflictions. They're only going to last for a moment. Amen. They're only um, things that we see with our eyes. They're temporal things. But the things that are not seen, folks, are eternal. Keep your eyes upon Jesus, amen. Keep your eyes lifted up and to realize that the things that we're after are eternal things. Hallelujah. These things out here in this world, says while you're in the world, you're going to have tribulation. But Jesus said, be of good cheer. I have overcome the world. You're going to have trials. You're going to have tests. You're going to have tribulations. You're going to have aches. You're going to have pains. <clears throat> amen. But he said, be of good cheer. For I have overcome the world. We need to look on the things that are eternal. I wanted to look into the book of Hebrews, which I read that first portion of scripture 
in. <clears throat> but in the book of Hebrews, they say that during that time, there was a lot of persecution for the Christian Jews. And there was a lot of the persecution was coming from the, the traditional law keepers of the Old Testament. They were thinking you had to still keep the law, you had to still have circumcision, all these things. And there was a lot of persecution that was brought back because of it. And there was a lot of, of uh, Christians looking in that direction because the persecution was so severe. And they were thinking, well, why not just go back to some of the law and that way it will ease up on this persecution. And the book of Hebrews answers the question <clears throat> about Christ being superior to the law. And why would you go back to something that's inferior when Christ is superior? Amen. And so we look into the, into the book of Hebrews and the key word that we find here is the word better. It's used some 12 times in this book, simply stating that Jesus is better. Jesus is better than the old way. Amen. Jesus is better, amen, than Judaism and the law and all these things. Hebrews 11:39. All and these all, having attained a good report through faith, received not the promise. God having provided some better thing for us, that they without us should not be made perfect. So in this Hebrews, in the, all the chapters there, it's, a lot of them are listed. And I just wrote a few of them down. It said that Jesus was better than the angels. This way was a better hope. It's a better covenant. It's a better mediator. It's a better sacrifice. And it's a better resurrection. He's trying to get it across to the people that you do not want to go back. You want to go forward with Jesus Christ. Paul warned the Galatians in Galatians chapter 1, he, in verse 6, he said, I marvel that you are so soon removed from him that called you into the grace of Christ unto another gospel which is not another, but there be some that trouble you and would pervert the gospel of Christ. But though we or an angel from heaven preach any other gospel unto you than that which we have preached, let him be accursed. As we said, therefore, so say I now again, if any man preach any other gospel unto you than that you have received, let him be accursed." I am thankful for the word of God that is in this church. Amen. I'm thankful for our pastor that preaches the truth. Amen. Without reservation. And there is no other gospel. There is no other way. Hallelujah. Than through, but through the word of God. Amen. This condition of what they call apostasy or a turning back was in danger based on Six things that I found that were listed here. There may be more, I don't know, but these were ones that I listed. It says, number one, unbelief. Number two, their conduct. Number three, neglect of public worship. Number four, weakness in prayer. Number five, instability in doctrine. And six, not being productive. 
So I was thinking that in the midst of the battle, although we're not concerned about returning to the law, there are some that sometimes think, why maybe I had it better while I was in the world. That's a deception from the devil. Amen. Sometimes we get to the place where we just think, what's the use? You know, I'm trying, I'm battling through all of this. What is the use? It's just not seeming to work for me. But I want us to understand that God is desiring for us to enter into this rest of his and to be strengthened in the inner man. Hebrews chapter 2 verse 1 makes this statement. It says, therefore, we ought to give the more earnest heed to the things which we have heard, least at any time we should let them slip. For the word spoken by angels was steadfast and every transgression and disobedience received a just recompense of reward. How shall we escape if we neglect so great a salvation, which at the first began to be spoken by the Lord and was confirmed unto us by them that heard him? God also bearing them witness both with signs and wonders and with diverse miracles and gifts of the Holy Ghost according to his own will. Amen. We ought to give the more earnest heed to the things that we have heard, least at any time we could let them slip. And so in our trials and in our tests, I want us to look at these six things that they were listed here in the book of Hebrews about what caused people to go back. And when you're struggling with your faith and when you're uh, trying to uh, figure it all out, ask yourself some of these questions. The first one is unbelief. Take heed, brethren, lest there be any of you be in any of you an evil heart of unbelief in departing from the living God. Unbelief, we've got to trust in what we know. We've got to believe in what the Word of God says. In Hebrews chapter 11, verse 6, it says, But without faith, it's impossible. Everybody say impossible. Impossible to please Him. For he that cometh to God must believe that He is, and that He is a rewarder of them that diligently seek him. Check your belief uh, gauge, if you will, in your life. Do you believe? Are you persuaded with all of your heart and all of your mind? You know, the unbelief comes uh, from a lack of faith. And we know that through the word of God, faith cometh by hearing. So we need to be in the word of God. We need to be reading the word of God. We need to be listening to the Word of God. We need to be praying the Word of God. This is the most powerful thing that we have in our possession. Amen. And a lot of times we just let it lay dormant on our coffee table or on our bookshelf or somewhere in our house. And then we wonder why we're just struggling with our faith sometimes. You've got to be in the Word of God. Amen. How is the Word of God moving in your life are you reading God's word? That's one of the first things that we need to ask ourselves when we have these temptations or feelings that we're just not quite winning this battle. So we need to realize that unbelief is something that turned them back for departing from the living God. The second thing was, was conduct, their conduct in 
Um, Hebrews chapter 5, verse 13, it says, For everyone that uses milk is unskillful in the word of righteousness, for he is a babe. But strong meat belongeth to them that are full age, even those who by reason of use have their senses exercised to discern both good and evil. In other words, it's saying here that we need to be off the milk. A baby in a natural, a baby is on the bottle, right? But at some point, you've got to get that baby off that bottle. Because a baby that's on a bottle when he's uh, nine months old, that's cute. But a baby that's on a bottle when he's nine years old, that's a disaster, right? And so he's saying here that we need to be off the bottle. We need to grow up, if you will. Amen. Grow up. Square your shoulders back and grow up. Stop being a baby. I don't know how else to put it, but there's just sometimes we got to quit our whining, right? My wife's helped me with that through my life. I've, she used to call me William the whiner. <clears throat> I don't know if she's had to call me that lately. Amen. Because I quit some of my whining. Amen. It's just time to grow up. There's a place in our lives where we have to stand up and just grow up and take responsibility for our own actions and for our own walk with the Lord. Amen. We want to point fingers in every other direction and we want to find excuses for our lives, but for our conduct and what, how we act and how we portray ourselves in the Lord. Amen. It's just time to grow up. First Corinthians chapter three, verse one, and I, brethren, could not speak unto you as unto spiritual, but as unto cardinal, even as unto babes in Christ. I fed you with milk and not with meat, for hereunto you were not able to bear it, neither yet now are you able, for ye are yet carnal. Amen. We've got to get our minds off the carnal things and become engrossed in the things that are of God, in the word of God, in prayer. Amen. Get your mind off the cardinal things of this world. He says um, for in verse three, for ye are yet carnal, for whereas there are there is among you envying and strife and divisions. Ye are not carnal and are ye not carnal and walk as men. So there's envying that we have in our life, which is jealousy and just indignation in our lives. We've got to get all these things out of our life. We've got to grow up. Strife, quarrels, contentions that are within the church. We've got to be able to rise above all this quarreling and also divisions, which is simply being disunified. There's power in unity. Amen. And I don't know of any Problems like that in our church. I don't think that we have them, but just in our own individual lives, sometimes we need to guard against these things. We need to be unified with the body of Christ because there's power in unity. Amen. They were all with one accord in one mind, right? On the day of Pentecost, all in one accord in one mind. And when that happens in the church, then the power of God can move. Amen. And it only happens when people become mature within themselves. They're not carnal, but and walk as other men. Look around you in this world today, 
at other men and ladies that are in the world, and you'll see how not to walk if they're outside the church. Amen? We need to walk according to the Spirit and not according to the flesh. Amen? Because the flesh is enmity. It's an enemy against God. It can't please God. Amen? So we've got to work very hard at just simply growing up in the Lord. Amen? The third thing... There was the neglect of public worship. And so I guess I'm preaching to the choir tonight. But it says, let us hold fast our profession with faith without wavering. For he is faithful that promised. And let us consider one another to provoke unto love and to good works, not forsaking the assembling of ourselves together as the manner of some is, but exhorting one another And so much the more as you see the day approaching. How is your church attendance? Are you coming to the house of the Lord? Are you making it every effort to be in God's house? And just like you were when you first came into the church, man, you were, you were ready for the church doors to be open. You were going to be there whenever they were open. And then after a while, if you're not careful, You can let that slide back and say, well, I really don't need to be here tonight. But I can remember during COVID and pastor was talking to the staff and saying, I'm concerned, you know, that, you know, we're not able to come to church because it's going to affect people not being able to come or not wanting to come to church. And I thought when he said that, I said, no, that's not that's not going to happen. People are going to be anxious to get back to the house of the Lord. Amen. But he was exactly right. There are some that have never made it back to the house of the Lord after COVID. Amen. We cannot forsake the assembling of ourselves together, not just in church services, but that's why we have 30 some different fellowship service uh, um, groups where people can get together. We need the fellowship one with another. Amen. You can't make it on your own. We need each other. Hallelujah. And it gives us the reason why exhorting one another, exhorting, lifting one uh, one another up, provoking unto love and to good works. We should be provoking people not uh, in anger, but unto good works, not in division. But we ought to be saying you can make it. You're going to do it. You can do it. You can go on. You're going to you're going to be all right. We need to help our brothers and our sisters to understand. You know, we come into the house of the Lord and we don't understand or even realize sometimes what everybody is going through in their walk with the Lord. We don't know how hard it was for somebody just to be able to make it into the house of God. We don't know what their trials are. We don't know what their tests are. And that's why the body of Christ, we're supposed to be the body of Christ When one member of the body hurts, the whole body hurts. Amen. We need to realize that God's desiring for us to be a body. We should have love and compassion one to another. And that's when we're going to see the power of God move when we have love one to another. Amen. That's, he says, this is how people are going to know that you're my disciples. Not that you see miracles. Not that you see signs and wonders. He says, but that that you have love one to another. That's how the world's going to know that we're his disciples because of love. 
And that's why we come to the house of the Lord. That's why we gather together to help each other and to strengthen each other. Amen. How's your church attendance? Is church a top priority for you? Or is it just something that, yeah, if I've got the time to do it, I'm going to do it. When I first came into church, I can remember and um, my family was not in church. They weren't in church. They were very unhappy that I was coming to church. And <clears throat> all of a sudden, they started going to their church more. <laughs> and they would say, aren't you coming to, with us to church today? We're all going to church today. at our, Are you going to come with us? And and I even went to my pastor. I just knew. And I said, you know, should I go with them to church? And he said, no, you really need to just keep coming here. You just need to be, uh, invite them to come with you. But you'll get confused if you start going back and forth to the churches. He gave some wise advice. And I just said, no, I can't do it. And they always had uh, Sunday afternoon where everybody would get together and they'd have a big dinner with my cousins and aunts and uncles. And, and uh, well, we had Sunday night service, so I couldn't be at those <clears throat> dinners anymore. And I was kind of like, they knew that they, if they if they wanted me to be there, they were, they had to move their uh, parties to Saturday, and they did that sometimes. Because if you just make a stand, if you make church a priority, and I know it's not all about church, I know it's not all about church, but it is all about church. Does that make sense? It's not all about if you miss a service, that's not like you're going to miss the rapture or something. But it is very important. We don't see the, the, in the importance of gathering together is becoming less and less, I think, as we see the day approaching amongst the world and amongst the people out there. But we need to realize how important it is to come together and how you get strength and how you'll be blessed if you find your way to the house of the Lord. The other one was weakness in prayer. How many know we got to pray? You've got to pray. I mean, that should be a no-brainer, but it's hard to pray. It's hard to do, keep up a consistent prayer life. It's, it's hard to, to be uh, steadfast in your prayers. And, but they had weakness in prayers in Hebrews chapter 12, verse 12. It says, Wherefore, lift up the hands which hang down and the feeble knees. And make straight paths for your feet, lest that which is lame be turned out of the way, but let it rather be healed. And I just believe this is talking about prayer and worship. When we come into the house of God, lift up your hands. Lift up your weak hands that hang down. Don't let them hang down. Lift them up. Lift up yourself in prayer. Go to prayer. You may be down, it may not be looking good, your situations may not be going right for you, but go to prayer and lift up those hands in worship and praise and the King of glory shall come in, the Bible says. Hallelujah. Make straight paths for your feet. Just keep praying, saying, Lord, lead me, guide me. Not my will, but thy will be done. Lead me not into temptation. Make straight paths for your feet. It comes through prayer, through prayer and reading of the word of God. Least that which is lame be turned out of the way, but let, let it rather be healed. Amen. James chapter four puts it this way. From hence come wars and fightings among you. Come they not hence even of your lust that war in your members. 
you lust and you have not, you kill, you desire to have, and you cannot obtain. You fight and you war, yet you have not because you ask not. You're doing it all on your own. And he's saying, if you'll just ask, you ask and you don't receive because you ask amiss. You don't even know what you're asking for, that it may be consumed it upon your own lust. In other words, go to the Lord. Stop working it out on yourself. Amen. Know what you want from God and ask. Amen. Luke chapter 18 talks about, he told a parable unto them to this end that men ought always to pray and not to faint. Luke, uh, Luke 18 and verse 2 saying, there was in the city a judge which feared not God, neither regarded man. And there was a widow in that city and she came unto him saying, avenge me of my adversaries. And he would not for a while, but afterward he said within himself, Though I fear not God, nor regard man, yet because this widow troubleth me, I will avenge her, lest by her continual coming she weary me. And the Lord said, Hear what the unjust judge saith. This is not a comparison, it's a contrast. God contrasted to an unjust judge. He says in verse 7, And shall not God avenge his own elect, which cry day and night unto him, though he bear long with them? I tell you that he will avenge them speedily. Nevertheless, when the Son of Man cometh, shall he find faith on the earth. We did, he constantly tells us, in example after example of prayer, that when we come to the Lord with prayer, to the Lord for prayer, we need to be persistent. Talked about the guy that uh, had a friend of his came by for a visit. He didn't have any food in the house, so he went to his friend's house. And he knocked on the door, and it was late. It was midnight, or I believe it was, if I'm recollecting the story right. He was knocking on the door, and the friend said, Go away, I'm in bed, my kids are in bed, the door's locked, go away. But he wouldn't. He just kept knocking at the door because he needed a loaf of bread. And though he would not rise to give him because he was his friend, but because of his consistent, continual knocking, God wants us to diligently seek after him. He wants us to keep knocking. Don't give up. Be persistent in prayer. Amen. How is your prayer life? James chapter 1 verse 5, If any man lack wisdom, let him ask of God that giveth to all men liberally, and upbraideth not, and it shall be given him. But let him ask in faith, not wavering. For he that wavereth is like a sea, the wave of a sea driven with the wind and tossed. For let not that man think that he shall receive anything of the Lord. A double-minded man is unstable in all his ways. Know what you want from the Lord. Go to the Lord in prayer. Be persistent. Just continually come to God, and he's going to hear and answer your prayer. So number four, how's your prayer life? How is your prayer life? These are ways that we can guard against turning back. Instability of doctrine in uh, Hebrews 13 and verse 9. Be not carried away with diverse and strange doctrines, for it is a good thing that the heart be established with great. Grace, not with meats, which have not profited them that have been occupied therein. Second Timothy chapter one, verse 12 says, for the which cause I also suffer these things. Nevertheless, 
I am not ashamed, for I know whom I have believed and am persuaded that he is able to keep that which I have committed unto him against that day. Hold fast the form of sound words which thou hast heard of me in faith and love which is in Christ Jesus. Doctrine is important. Let me just say that again. Doctrine is important. We need to know what we believe. You need to know the plan of salvation, repentance, baptism in Jesus' name, and the infilling of the Holy Spirit. And you need to be persuaded of it. Amen? Because the world is telling you so many different things. And there's so many different voices out there in the world. We need to be persuaded. Are you persuaded? And the sixth thing that I want to point out is that they were unproductive. In Hebrews chapter 5, verse 12, And when the time, when for the time you ought to be teachers, you have need that one teach you again, which be the first principles of the oracles of God, and are become such as have need of milk and not strong meat. So here again, he says, you ought to be teaching, but you've got to be taught yourself. You've got to be productive. We need to be doing something for the house and the kingdom of God. Amen. Proverbs 16, verse 3, and this is an interesting um, portion of Scripture to me. It says, commit thy works unto the Lord, and thy thoughts shall be established. You commit your works unto the Lord, and your thoughts will be established. You having trouble with your thoughts, you having trouble with your mind, or you having trouble staying on track, depression or oppression or whatever you want to call it. Commit your works unto the Lord. We have too many people that want to just come and be spectators in the house of God. Amen. But we need people to be in the house of God, doing something in the house of the Lord. Amen. That's when the core of the church begins to grow, and that's when we see growth in our church. Amen. Commit your works unto the Lord, and your thoughts will be established. In Matthew chapter 25, it talks about the talents. And he that had received one talent came and said, Lord, I knew that thou were a hard man, reaping where thou hast not sown, and gathering where thou hast not strawn. And I was afraid. Amen. We have to step out in faith when we do the work of the Lord. We don't need to be afraid that God has given us responsibilities that we hold on to through the word and through our callings and through the different gifts that he's given to us. And it's not easy sometimes to step out and to do it. We need to not be afraid. Amen. Because this was this man's uh, sin. He said, I was afraid and he went, I went and hid the talent in the earth. Lo, here it is. I didn't lose it, but here's what I, what you gave me. I didn't do anything with it. And the Lord said to him, thou wicked and slothful servant, you knew that I reaped where I sowed not and I gathered where I not strong. Thou oughtest therefore to have put my money to the exchangers or put it in the bank at least. Then at my coming, I should have received my own with interest. He said, take Therefore, the talent from him, give it unto the other that hath ten talents. For unto every one that hath shall be given unto him, and he shall have abundance. But from him that hath not shall be taken away even that which he hath. And cast ye the unprofitable servant into utter darkness. There shall be weeping and gnashing of teeth. 
So the last one here is, are you involved? Are you involved in the work of the Lord? There is a place for everybody. We make every effort. And Pastor stresses this to us, to the staff all the time. Wants everybody to have a job. Everybody needs to have something they can do. Why is that? Because when you begin to work in the, in the house of the Lord, you take possession of it. It becomes more important. Amen. Things become more important to you. And as you begin to work in the Lord and in the house of the Lord to be used in God's house, that's when your ministry, that's when you feel fulfilled in your walk with the Lord, when you're being used of God and God's using you. Amen. So just to recap these six things, are you reading the word of God? Are you carnal and not spiritual? How's your church attendance? How's your prayer life? Are you persuaded in the doctrine? And are you busy about God's business? Amen. He gives us these six things that was causing them to slip away. And I think that if we uh, tighten these things up in our lives, we can help our walk to be sure, help us to be uh, steadfast, in our walk with the Lord and serving Him. And He gives a series also of some warnings to them in Hebrews chapter 2. He says, Therefore we ought to give the more earnest heed to the things which we have heard. We read this earlier. Least at any time we should let them slip. We need to realize the importance of the Word of God, the power of the Word of God, and that we need to not to let it slip. Amen. You ever been in a church service and been convicted about doing something? By the time you get out to your car, that conviction's slipped away. I have many a times. God's moved upon me and um, <clears throat> I thought, I've thought about it many times. How quick a conviction will slip away. That word that God's trying to to speak to us, we ought to give the more earnest heed. What is God trying to say to me? What is the word of God? When we come into the house of the Lord, we need to be in tune with the Lord and say, God, speak to me. What are you trying to say? And I realize it's not all about us. We need to pray for uh, the visitors and the sinners that are in the house today. But at the same time, God's able to do all things. He can touch every heart, every mind. Amen. God can move. That's the power of the Word of God. In Hebrews chapter 3, verse 7 and 8, it says, Wherefore, as the Holy Ghost saith, Today, if you will hear His voice, harden not your heart. Don't harden your heart. Least any of you be hardened through the deceitfulness of sin. Amen. Don't allow sin to creep into your life. It hardens your heart. And pretty soon you're slipped out there and people can come and talk to you. Ever tried to talk to somebody that's backslidden? It's like talking to a wall sometimes. Their heart has hardened. But you need to guard against that. Don't allow your heart to be hardened. And it comes through the deceitfulness of sin. The third warning, he says, let us labor, therefore, to enter into that rest. It's not going to be just a walk in the park. You're going to have to put some effort into it. But we need to labor to enter into his rest. That's the most important thing 
folks. And even like on a Sunday morning, the uh, prayer, we need to be praying before service. We have prayer in, in the multi-purpose classroom before service. That's one of probably the most important functions that's going on on a Sunday morning, that prayer time. And I know a lot of people are busy about doing different jobs and things like that. But that's we need to be praying. We need to be laboring that we can enter into the rest of God, this peace that passes all understanding. What is God wanting to do with us and through us? Number four, he says in Hebrews ten twenty six, if we sin willfully, after that we receive knowledge of the truth, there remaineth no more sacrifice for sins. There's nothing else that's coming down the road to give us freedom from our sins. Jesus Christ has done it all. Amen. He's paid the price. There is no more sacrifice that's coming. Don't deceive yourself. If we sin willfully, there remains no more sacrifice for sin. That doesn't mean if you sin that there's no hope for you. We can always make it back to the cross. But what it's saying is don't think that that's going to be overlooked. Your sin's not going to be overlooked. If we sin willfully, there is no more. There's nothing else coming for us. He's paid the price. Jesus Christ died for our sins. He took away our sins. And we need to realize and take it very seriously. Amen. That we cannot sin willfully. Amen. And realize that there is no more. There's nothing else coming for our salvation. It's already done. We just have to enter into that. Number five, looking diligently, lest any man fail of the grace of God, lest a root of bitterness springing up trouble you. Don't allow bitterness to enter into your heart, into your mind. We all have situations in our life that are bitter, right? But the key is the root of bitterness. We all have bitter things. We've got to be able to shake it off. Don't allow that root to go to grow in your life. We don't have to let bitterness take a root in our life. Amen. It derives from the Greek word, which means to drive a peg or to pitch a tent. I heard this definition about bitterness. Bitterness is the poisonous pill I take hoping that you'll die. Amen. That's a good definition of it's a poison pill. It's really hurts you more than the other person. Amen. Don't allow uh, <clears throat> bitterness to take root in your life. So in this portion of Hebrews, or the whole book of Hebrews, he is demonstrating in this epistle the superiority of Jesus Christ to anything else. Two main ideas that he tries to make us focus on. One is consider. He says, consider the apostle, the high priest of our profession, Jesus Christ. He says you need to sit down and you need to consider this. Consider the apostle of our souls, Jesus Christ, hallelujah, our high priest. He has entered in. He is now our high priest. The high priest of the Old Testament was the approach to God, right? Now we have through Christ this new approach. We can come boldly with confidence into the throne room of grace. Amen. It says, consider him that endures such contradiction of sinners against himself, lest ye be wearied and faint in your mind. 
He said, look to Jesus. He's the author. He's the finisher of our faith. Consider him. He endured the contradiction of sinners against himself. He did it. So can you do it? If you don't consider that, you're going to be weary and you're going to faint in your minds. And he also leaves with an exhortation. He said, now the God of peace in Hebrews chapter 13, verse 20, the God of peace that brought again from the dead, our Lord Jesus, that great shepherd of the sheep through the blood of the everlasting covenant, make you perfect in every good work to do his will, working in you that which is well-pleasing in his sight through Jesus Christ, to whom be glory forever and ever. Amen. Hallelujah. In Hebrews chapter 4, verse 14, seeing then we have a great high priest which is passed into the heavens, Jesus, the Son of God, let us hold fast our profession, for we have not a high priest which cannot be touched with the feelings of our infirmities, but was in all points tempted like as we are, yet without sin. We have a high priest that understands. <laughs> Jesus understands. You don't have to make this on your own. Amen. He understands our weaknesses. He understands our infirmities. He was tempted, except he had no sin. But he, he went through all. That's why he robed himself and dwelt among us, that we might be, that he might be able to relate to us and to understand everything that we're going through. And he says at that last part, let us therefore come boldly into the throne of grace that we may obtain mercy and find grace to help in the time of need. Amen. Let's all stand tonight. <clears throat> Amen, amen. The Lord just simply wants us to enter into his presence, amen, and to turn it all over to him. Quit trying to make it on your own. You've got the word, you've got the church, you've got prayer, hallelujah, and you've got the high priest that's done all the work, and we can come boldly into his presence, amen. In dismissing, why don't we just go to him in prayer right now. Heavenly Father, we love you. We thank you, Lord, for the promises that are in the word of God. We thank you, Lord, that you are the better way. God, we need you. We pray for each and every individual that's here tonight through their trials and struggles. God, we pray that you would just touch them, help them to realize, oh, Lord, that they can come into your presence. They can find that help in a time of need, that you love us, that you are touched by the feelings of our infirmities, God. You know us. You're never going to leave us or forsake us. We thank you for this gospel. We thank you for the doctrine of Jesus Christ. Let us be steadfast. Let us be busy about your business. Let us lift up our heads, O oh God. Let us lift up our arms unto you, O oh Lord, and our feeble knees. Let us look unto thee, O oh God. You're the author and the finisher of our faith. We praise you and we worship you. In Jesus' name we pray. Everybody say in Jesus' name, amen. God bless you. You're dismissed in the fear of the Lord.